Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, episode 11. Uh, 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. (laughs) We're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm Dave. And because we're not that smart, this episode we are going to ask questions of Dave and let him do most of the talking. We will probably chime in because we are insatiable blabbermouths and we can't stop talking, but mostly we hope that we'll be able to make... Stop talking. (laughs) Dave, talk. (laughs) All right, first question for Dave from me. Publishing advice for new authors. Um, Writers wanting to break in, what is your top publishing advice in just um, a short period of time, in a couple of minutes? Okay, top publishing advice. First, write what you love, okay? Um, when I first wrote my when I wrote my first book, I wrote a book called On My Way to Paradise, which was a cyberpunk Latin American kind of a novel. And, uh, and my publisher then said, "What do you want to write next?" And I said, "I want to write a big fantasy." And she said, "Well, you're a science fiction author. You can't write fantasy. You're you're a best-selling science fiction author. Most people take 20 years to get where you got with your first book." So. Um, so they didn't let me write fantasy. Uh, started writing fantasy after 10 years as a birthday present to myself. Um, last year, I asked my edit- agents uh, if I could do a science fiction novel. He went to my editors and he said, you're a fantasy author. <laughs> we will not accept any science fiction from you whatsoever. So I guess my first thing is pick your rut, okay? Pick, is pick this why you, you have two names? It is. That's part of why I have two names. I'm two different people. I've got more names in the, in the offing. That's a horrible thing that your editors have done to you. Can I just say that? That's awful. But it happens in every field. I mean, if you are an actor and yeah. you play villains, then you play villains. You're not going to be the romantic hero. And, you know, my daughter gets upset because as an actress, you know, she's always cast as the, the brat, you know, the snotty, you know, superior sorority girl, you know, or something like that. Um, At least in writing, we can change names. Um, yeah. You see a lot of authors do it. Michael Crichton did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of authors jumping names to do things like well, that. Ian Banks does it, but he's, he's Ian Banks when he's writing novels, and he's Ian M. Banks when he's writing sci-fi, or maybe yeah. the other way around. Yeah. I'm not sure. But and, Yeah, a number of authors do it. But at there's least he kept of... his name. Well, there's, there's reasons beyond that, though, because if you, if you keep your name and you're trying to write in two different genres, let's say that you're selling uh, 50,000 books in science fiction and you're selling 100,000 books in fantasy, and uh, you start switching off, what happens is next time that you write a fantasy novel, the publisher, the bookstores are going to order the same number of science fiction books that you sold the time before, and you just cut your, cut your sales in half in your fantasy. So you don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay, Theoretically, they should be not doing that, but... But they do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, counting happen- on them to... It yeah. happens, yeah. yeah. They, they can't always be right. You know, they so your editors in this case are protecting you from... Uh, dumb bookstore buyers. Yeah. From, from, to, to a certain well, degree, yes. W- w- one of the other reasons that I have heard that, of using a pseudonym is to remind your editors how good you really are. Mm-hmm. That it's not your name selling the book, it's actually your talent. 
Mm. I'm yeah. sorry, I've derailed this. No, no. We got no Dave, uses a, Dave uses a, a pseudonym. People have asked about pseudonyms. It's good to have a person who uses a pseudonym yeah, answer I, that question. I fine. wanted to know the answer. Yeah. And, and besides, there's, there's, this is Dave, you people asking Dave questions, so you yeah. can ask me any questions yeah. you want. Okay. Yeah. What's your social? 542. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a question. Sure. It's a totally unfair question because yeah. I never know how to answer it. And, uh, but every time I speak in a high school, it's the first question I get asked. Okay. So here you go. How do you name your characters? How do I name my characters? I look for names that resonate within the genre that they're in. Okay? And by that I mean, let's say that you're writing a fantasy story, and it's a medieval fantasy. Now, you know that, um, say, uh, in a medieval English fantasy set in something like the Middle Ages, that you are not going to have a character named... Juan and Gregorio, you know, wandering around the countryside. Okay, those Watanabe. just they, yes. Okay, here's your writing prompt. <laughs> There's, you know, I mean, you know, you so you choose something that sounds uh, like a character. I mean, you can, can use Tom instead of Juan. You could probably use John. You know, um, but you know, if you start looking at fantasy names, they are all made to sound alike. I mean, or to sound similar. You know. How many girls do you see who are named things like Kira or Kyra or, you know, it, it's just almost probably 70, 75% of the names that come up in fantasy are, start with a K and end with an A, right. you know. So you look for something that resonates within the genre. That's okay. all I look for. Next question, state of the publishing industry right now in sci-fi fantasy. Any words of wisdom for authors on it? Um, a lot of people are, having, are saying oh, publishers aren't buying anything. Um, should they? Should authors just give up? Okay. First of all, right now the state of the state of science fiction and fantasy is this: fantasy uh, got overbought for a while, and a lot of publishers are pulling back on that, and making it a little bit harder. Um, conversely, they are more interested right now in publishing science fiction. Woohoo! Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so I've I've been seeing some renewed interest even in old titles and things mm -hmm. like that. There are always publishers who will pull back. There's a, a lot of uh, um, talk about a publisher that you know announced that they were that they were uh, you know temporarily not buying. Okay, most of the time publishers do not announce that they are not buying. Okay, they just stop buying. They just talk among each other and say we're not going to buy. Uh, it was a, a basically a dumb decision on the uh, part part of uh, of one of their corporate executives. Uh, who probably was the one who got fired today. Uh, but in any case, um, what it all comes You're down to... You're being very careful not to mention any names or anything like <laughs> you that. Know, Man, this don't get him in trouble. To, the, the thing is, we are authors. We have to work for these people. <laughs> you know, my God, what are you trying to do to me? Good <laughs> you point. Know? No. Uh, seriously, you know, um, the, the person that you offend may be your editor three months from now. So, so try not to offend anybody. And, and it, was, it was a bad decision, but, uh, you know... Um, it's water under the bridge, probably. Okay. Question? Um, yeah. I want to follow up on, uh, you know, the state of the industry question and ask for a prediction. You, you can look at the past 10 or so years of the market and say, you know, the boarding school books for young adults were really huge after Harry Potter, and I think that's kind of dying off. And mm -hmm. the paranormal romance seems like it's on its way out. Do you have any idea what the next kind of literary fad is going to be? Should I tell you? <laughs> okay. Well, look at the numbers. Um, if you look at it right now, young adult fiction has just been going gonzo. 
anytime anybody writes a young adult book right now, it seems like it's going up for an auction. And that's a great sign to me because it means that there are a lot of young people who are being exposed to fantasy, to science fiction, and, and whatnot. And I think that um, what we are going to see is, how should I say it? I think we're going to see a rebirth of fantasy in the next five years. I think you'll see it just explode, okay? And I'm talking about adult you know, fantasies like Lord of the Rings, that kind of thing. I think that's going to be a, a, a big genre. So uh, the, the people of over the last uh, 10 years, the, the kids who've been reading the, the Harry Potters. The kids have been and, reading uh, the Harry Potters and things like that. They are. They're going to grow up and they're going to want to be they're, reading. They're primed and they're going to say, you know, do you know what? This world is really a nasty place. I'd like to get back and read a really fun fantasy. And uh, whenever you have a recession like what we're going through right now, they often say that writing is, is a uh, recession-proof kind of an industry. And even if you look at some of the, of the stores, we're seeing, we're seeing companies that are saying, okay, our sales are down 7%, but not our fiction sales. Okay, our fiction sales are up 1%, that kind of thing. Right. That's a really uh, strong indicator that, yeah, we are pretty recession-proof. You know, people aren't going on vacations. They're not going to Mexico. They're going to stay home and I've got to get me at least a book while I sit here so I can have something to read. Okay. Um, I know a lot of our readers want, it, want this one, um, so I'll ask of you. Quickly, how did you break in? What's your story? Well, my story is that um, I started out with writing contests. Um, I was in college. I wrote my first little short story, got an A on it. And uh, our teacher announced at the end of the class that there was going to be a writing contest in the school. And I went and uh, erased my name off of the paper and dropped it into the box and uh, you know, made it so that it fit their format. And, um, and I won 50 bucks, you know, which wasn't much money. But then I thought, you know, I spent seven hours writing that story. I made $7 per hour. What if I wrote a better story and I won first place? You know, what if I had worked three hours harder and had won, you know, that 400 Where bucks? Where were you at college? I was at Brigham Young University. Who was the teacher? Uh, Eloise Bell. Okay. That was her name. Uh, I don't know if she's there anymore. I think she's retired now. Um, anyway, so, um, uh, so the next year my goal was to try to win first place in a story contest. And I wrote several short stories and took them out and won first place in several contests. In fact, uh, the, the four stories that I entered, I won first place in all of them, uh, including the uh, grand prize for the uh, International L. Ron Hubbard Writers of Future contest, which was a big contest. And at the contest, uh, Robert Silverberg was one of the uh, judges, and he really liked my story. And he called up Terry Carr, and he said, you know, we should offer this guy a hard, soft publishing deal when we get to the awards ceremony. And so I'd heard about this, you know, coming in the offings. Uh, he worked with a company called Donnelly Fine. Well, Robert Silverberg quit with Donnelly Fine about four weeks before I went to the award ceremony. And then Terry Carr died of a heart attack about a week before. And uh, so I was pretty depressed. But, um, but I got to the award ceremony. We had it on top of the World Trade Center. We had Isaac Asimov there. We had uh, Mark Hamill, who was Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. And then lots of, uh, lots of other luminaries. And it was, uh, it was really great. But, um, but while we were there, um, I got approached by just about every editor in the field at the time. Um, I, got, I had eight different editors hand me their cards and say they wanted to see my first you know, novel proposal, which I just happened to have in my suitcase. <laughs> uh, but I didn't have eight copies. I only had three because yeah. I was just not that optimistic. And, Did you uh, give out all three? 
I, I didn't. I decided not to give play favorites. Instead, I called an agent the next morning. I called Virginia Kidd, and she says, well, I haven't taken a client in 10 years, but uh, James Tiptree Jr. just uh, committed suicide yesterday, and uh, I've got an opening. And uh, <laughs> Your road so, to your success was paved with death. death. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the trail of blood. The trail of blood. To your success. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, but she got me a three-novel contract with Bantam Books about three days later. So, so that's how I got well, started. You're not recommending others follow this particular path, are you? Because you know what? it's so fraught with... It, it, is, it is fraught with difficulty. But, you know, I learned a lot by trying to write for contests because I started looking at my... I said, you know, who is going to be judging this contest? And then I would go read their writings, and I would find out what that editor or what that writer liked in their own writing. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to have to use more you know, metaphors in this story, for example. This, this person really likes top-notch metaphors, or maybe I'm going to have to have more action. And I started learning to write to an audience. And then you get to things like Writers of the Future, where you've got you know, 12 potential jurors. And, you know, it's, it's a mess, you know. You've got to start saying, how do I write to a really broad audience? And uh, so it was, a good, it was a good learning ground. All right. And I made lots of money doing it. I won a $50 prize for a short story at BYU once. Good. Oh, really? Congratulations. I did. Wow. Which, which I did. Uh, contest? The Ann Doty? I don't remember. Okay. It was 1991, though. Okay. So cool. It wasn't a very good story. <laughs> well... All right. $50. Um, I'm going to ask you another question here. And this one, this is a little bit unfair because I, well, whatever. I heard you answer this while we were on book tour, and I thought it was a great answer. <laughs> so I'm going to ask it to you here so that readers can, um, can hear. And now I'm going to totally okay. write a, a different answer this time. readers. I mean listeners. Listeners, yeah. I love you guys. Yeah. Um, that's not you guys. No. Those guys listening. Um, no. <laughs> I feel jolted. I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, just from a distance. Um, how, um, let's see. How do you begin a book? Do you start with character, do you start with plot, or do you start with setting when you're planning one? When I am planning one, yep. I almost always start with setting. Mm -hmm. And the reason I start with the setting is that my character is going to grow out of his setting. I mean, mm -hmm. if you are living in a medieval fiefdom, you're going to have a certain education level, you're going to have a certain uh, you know, economic status, standing and uh, social standing and whatnot. And then my plot has to grow out of my characters. So I have to almost take that order every single time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, any other questions you guys got for Dave? All right. Your writing prompt is um, Juan and Watanabe are in medieval England. <laughs> Juan and Gregorio Watanabe. <laughs> yeah, Gregorio <laughs> Watanabe um, are in medieval England. Difficulty is they actually belong there. Why do they belong there? What is their story? Excellent. Uh, On your market set, go. This has been writing excuses. Thank you very much, Dave, um, for, for guest starring with us. Oh, you're quite welcome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.